0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Parlour Seasonal Salons podcast, a series of convivial, candid, intergenerational conversations about life and work in and around architecture. These sessions are recorded live at much-love events around Australia, and we're delighted to share these fascinating conversations with you. Our conversationalists for this episode are Ivna Glovanik and Diane Matthews. Both working heavily in project management and the education sector, the discussion goes between each of their experiences. Dianne highlights her architectural involvement and perspectives in both the client and consultant sides of a project. Evener then details her current project at Flinders University, Factory of the Future, an opportunity for industries and multiple stakeholders to tackle problems within their way together. The conversation then moves to the differences between architectural practice and university, discussing the broader expression within uni and taking it into a career path. This salon was recorded live on Gwana Country at Oricon in winter 2022. Organised by me, Ali McFadden, we hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: I thought we'd maybe kick off today with the first question for you being, where did it all begin? Um, what did you study and where was your first job in the industry? Thank you.
2: I have a degree of interior architecture from the University of South Australia. And um, when I graduated, I suppose the GFC happened and quite a few things along the way. So um, the career progression, didn't, well, career didn't happen at all there was just no jobs available at that time so i did what i had to do and and do the private jobs of the you know color consultancies and uh, small interior jobs along the way until the opportunity came to become a project officer here in this building a long time ago back in 2005 for the Department of Primary Industries and Resources and, um, commenced working with with their properties and facilities division and taking care of about 75 properties across South Australia, um, and like moving people, doing, uh, refurbishments, organizing architects and builders, uh, to deliver projects. So that's, I suspect, the first time when I kind of thought, Um, maybe there is a different career path for me in in this, uh, not going back to architectural practice, but looking at retraining and becoming a project manager. And that's really how it started. How was it for you?
1: I started, I guess, my first job in the industry was actually before I studied architecture. I worked for a custom home builder and I did bookkeeping, reception. I also organised all of their trades on site um, so I was quite hands-on, I suppose, in the industry before I decided that architecture was what I wanted to study. Um, so I worked full-time and studied full-time throughout the most of the the course. I think fifth year I took a bit of a break. <laughs> but um yeah, so after after studying, um my first real job, I suppose, as an architect similar to yourself, was in the middle of the GFC environment and that was partly when you kind of found out that you had to be, um, a little bit of an architect in your own career, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I did renovations for people as a sole trader or I contracted to multiple builders and, and sort of created my own pathway for about two or three years, uh, until i started, I suppose, as a graduate at Dash Architects, um, and then moved on from there. So. I suppose that probably leads to the next question about, you know, what what the other career paths happened uh, in the meantime for you and and where where you are today.
2: After primary industries and deciding to do the uh, grad dip in project management, I transitioned to major projects within DIT, and that was a learning curve uh, that. It was just incredible of walking into the meetings and not understand the terminology at all. Like jersey barriers and gantries and overtaking lanes and everything else that you can imagine that project management was there. It was, it was great experience in that field, but it just wasn't what I knew. You know, it wasn't bad, but it didn't sit right. And then the opportunity came from UniSA, there was an opening for the project manager within the UniSA and I kind of thought, should I leap into this, Uh, have a safe government job, you know, great pay, all of that. So I took a year off from uh, DIT and joined UniSA to see if I was going to like it and to my surprise, it was better than I could have ever imagined it to be. Educational institution that has a very similar strategic outlook to um, the way they go through what they do, um very similar to how I would approach solving the problems and and living in this the society that we live in now. It's not only delivery of the lecture theatres and tutorial rooms for the students of UniSA. It's so much more than that. The projects were anyway. So the, the, the experience, the breadth of experience of never having a dull moment, always working on something that is completely different. I've I. Over like 15 years now in um, at the, working for the universities, I have not ever delivered the same thing twice, which is which was so refreshing. It's a, a lot faster pace than the major projects within DIT. You know the roads take <laughs> 10 years to build, so this was great. So I ended up at UniSA, had a wonderful 11 years at UniSA, and then the opportunity. Came along to do a slightly higher position at Flinders University and I took it. So now I'm working as a principal project manager within Flinders University within their properties, facilities and development unit, uh, delivering, thus far I was delivering, uh, minor capital works, um, with occasional major project. But from about a month ago, I've been just entrusted with a one single major project the factory of the future at tonsley how did you get to where you're now
1: when i was working at dash architects probably one of the um things people might relate to here as a a graduate was the amount of variety that you get thrown uh into as a graduate and Um I did everything from about 30 or 40 Bing Boy shop fits to (laughs) (laughs) to working on heritage projects to ambulance stations and you know the variety that I sort of got thrown into was um was actually quite refreshing and you just you learned so much in those first few years uh under some really some really great people. And then after I left Dash I moved on to uh Hardy Mulazzo where I spent A great second great portion of I suppose transitioning from graduate into registered architect again had some great mentors there and I also I never said no I never learned how to say no so (laughs) uh, I took on multiple projects at at the same time and then developed from doing working underneath people um, and assisting them in you know building from the retail side to targets to best and less fit-outs to shopping centre redevelopments and food courts. And they were quite interesting projects because you actually took on more of a project management style of architecture because you had to coordinate all of the services. You also had to speak with, you know, a variety of stakeholders um, and have that uh, communication experience which I think helped you grow uh, as an architect really well. And then I sort of found my calling in education. I loved designing educational spaces. I like mostly because of the rewarding nature of building those spaces, like the, the people you work with and the, the communities that you have such a big impact on was, was the most fun part of the jobs and the projects. Um, so I did that for six, just over six years. And the last project that I worked on. Heidi Milazzo was for obviously Catholic Education Office and that transitioned into me being the lead architect on one side of the fence to me being the client on the other side of the fence. So that was also a really great experience to see it from both sides. And that's essentially I found myself in the planning and development team at Catholic Education Office. And now I'm part of multiple projects, which each of us in the team, there's about six or seven of us in the team at the moment, and over a 100 Catholic schools that are part of the system. Each of those schools pretty much at the moment is doing some form of building uh, whether it's a major project or a refurb or a master plan. And so it means that a part of more than over 10, I guess, of those projects, which, which is fantastic. I get to watch them happen all the way through from engaging the architect to engaging all the stakeholders and, and yeah, working with the schools a lot closer.
2: How do you find it being now on the other side? <laughs> do you enjoy it more or not? Was it daunting at the beginning? How, how, how is it? I mean, I'm comparing the, the yeah. delivery side, consultancy side to, to client
1: side. The, being on the other side, you're exposed to such a world that you kind of knew existed on the architectural side and the, the internal politics and the internal, I guess, structures of an organisation such as caesar is is quite unique and trying to it's taken me almost 12 months to really really understand it i'm probably not there yet <laughs> but the, the the biggest change i guess is the perspective shift so trying to think about things more in a strategic and broad thinking manner to then also being able to nail down on the specific needs in the project, the specific school, the specific issue. is probably the biggest challenge, I guess, that I've I've come across. And it's been the biggest eye-opener in the transition. I do enjoy it. I really enjoy it. And part of what I'm enjoying most over the last 12 months is actually uh, I don't think I've met uh, anywhere near as uh, many people as, you know, architects and most of you are probably here tonight. And that's probably something that I didn't do enough of before when I was a registered architect. So you actually get to understand how different companies operate and how they deliver their projects and what kind of teams make a really good team. And you can you can watch that through the entire project, which is really fantastic. There's lots of people out there with some fantastic skills. And I think, yeah, it's nice to be on the client side and be part of that appreciation because I think- Sometimes that gets missed and lost a little bit. So yeah, it's been an eye-opener, but I absolutely love it so far. (laughs) So far? (laughs) So far, no, I (laughs) do. I wanted to really ask you about your, your current role and your exciting project that you're working on now, which you mentioned the, the future project i'm just wondering whether you can explain a bit more
2: it's um well like many others it's not your typical education project at all um it's um it's called factory of the future it's a place where industry and research meet it's almost like a sandpit an opportunity for especially Uh, specifically industries that are restricted in ways of um, having a very high security walls or uh, uh, have been traditionally entrenched in the way how they do things, like, for example, shipbuilding industry. Um, What happens in a shipyard is something that's been happening for the last, you know, 100 years, and and, uh, they are very slow to change and, and very difficult to adjust the way they uh, resolve problems and and move forward and that all has a huge cloud of security over them for them to grow to change to evolve um, and and learn from uh, from their own work they really what the what factory of the future uh, provides for them uh, a space where they can take the problem out of the shipyard for example bring him bring it to tonsley at um, at the line at uh, factory of the future and allow other industries, uh, Flinders University researchers, other new startup companies come together and work on a problem. And once when the problem is resolved, when the solution is found, um, the shipbuilding companies in, in this case, it, BAE has uh, quite a large presence at Tonsley can decide to take the solution back to the, to their shipyard. If they find suitable, if they don't, that solution to the problem can have its own commercial value and be um, further developed or sold or uh, taken somewhere else. So, just to create that space um, for for these uh, various interest the industries to come together, is something that um, it's not available anywhere in the southern hemisphere. There's a couple of places in um, England and Germany that have these catapult sites for for purposefully for this, and they've been very successful. But uh, unfortunately, COVID happened two years ago. We lost two years. So only now um, we're trying to catch up. And this is uh, the project that where we're creating a, a $12 million facility that will have a number of um, industries within um, that will collaboratively work um, on on these problems. So, and it's all at Flinders University, so which is you wouldn't think that something like that is available at tertiary education institution. So yeah. I was going to ask you about, would you ever go back to um, <laughs> consultancy uh, work or um, you can see future in the, uh, being the client side um, person?
1: I don't think I'll ever say never. Yeah. <laughs> never. But I'm really enjoying where I am at the moment. And uh, I think I've got a long time there to, to learn and actually understand um, more about education sector and uh, the workings and the strategic planning that happens within. So I'm really excited to, to stay there and work through some of those goals. The exciting part of being within the education on the client side is that you very rarely get that much um, exposure to the working the inner workings of the school so the, you know when you typically on the architectural side you'll do your client consultations mm-hmm. and you'll interview your stakeholders and that kind of process go through those processes but you rarely get to, to have that one-on-one time with principal the bursa the understanding um how each school operates and how their pedagogy is very different across every single school um so having that exposure to multiple schools is is you know the exciting part for me and also i've got a part of my passion is early learning um and being a part of building some new early learning facilities and done some studying in um, the pedagogy around Reggio Emilia and mm. all those fundi- fundamental um, planning exercises So um, and theories. So it would be really great to explore them a little bit further as well.
2: You mentioned before how now you see a lot of other architectural firms and your mm. colleagues from um from that industry and like that it was certainly for me one of the greatest things of working for as a project manager Uh, you always have a different team you always have a different services engineers yeah. yeah yeah like it's it's the com- the combination of those uh sometimes can be quite great mm. and sometimes can can be quite challenging uh, for the role of a project manager which I suspect you would find yourself in now given your background of being an architect do you try to fix things
1: I think it's kind of important to sometimes um it doesn't come from a from a an arrogant way, which I think sometimes people can um, perceive it that way. But it comes from a I mean the best the best projects are those who are who are able to collaborate well together and you know understand different perspectives where people are coming from. So let's be honest out there, a lot of architects sit there and they're doing their work at. Whatever hour of the night, and you know the hours are demanding, and sometimes it just takes fresh eyes to say, "Hey, what about that?" (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) there is yellow trace on my desk (laughs) at work as a project manager. (laughs) I guess the the part of being a project manager is quite new to me in that sense, other than you know managing projects from a An architectural side and being the lead architect what are some of the the key skills I guess that you would have developed through your career that you think have you know what are the key skill sets I suppose that that you see vital um, in the industry as project management
2: I think the relationship building is a key point of success I mean stakeholder management is is certainly sometimes a great enjoyment and sometimes a great um issue on on the project uh, it, it's really quite challenging sometimes but i suppose the that interaction with the um, with architects with the um, um with services engineers um and building that relationship and um, trust within the community is um, really what kind of makes it for me um, um, in the role of the project manager because a lot of things happen um, and many successes on the project I've noticed happen because you establish a good relationship with no matter who is in the room, you know, and, and like... If you can find a way to communicate from architects to engineers to the building certifiers, the stakeholders, and then to the builder, that is really what, what is at the same time challenging and quite rewarding. Um, and it's, I think the communication skills will take you, anyone, very far in project management. Yeah, you have, it pay, it really pays to be. Good with numbers, <laughs> good with numbers and and, and organised because um, we hardly ever have a luxury of delivering one project at a time. Um, I'm lucky now, but um, usually you're juggling, um, mm. you know, five, six, up to ten projects at a time at, at various stages of the project um, for various clients and all different teams. And and that can be overwhelming, you know, mm-hmm. so you kind of have to find a good points in it to, to keep you going, to keep you engaged and, and interested in what's coming next and to make sure that you deliver. So I think it's that constant rush uh, mm-hmm. that if you can create something like that in your own career for yourself, I think that is something that will drive you, I suppose. I was gonna ask, have you noticed, like, given you spent 10 years in the architectural practice, I've never practiced in, 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 um, in, in the architectural company, uh, but now dealing with quite a few architects and comparing to what we have learned when we were at uni. Do you notice that there are gaps of what we have? been taught at uni and what is actually happening in the real life as an architect do you notice
1: um are there gaps i suspect absolutely i think that's that yeah it's quite a it's quite a challenge because i i think at at uni i was also working in the industry and so it was you could obviously see i could see the gaps um immediately but i think the um it was also nice to kind of escape the reality of a little bit in uni and be be you know I was scared to think outside the box and outside the parameters. I think that that was probably the the most valuable thing that you know you could could have taken out of uni and then so that you could think think broadly, think critically, I suppose, and then um, come into reality uh, and start working on projects in more of a a, a different scale or a you know, more realistic kind of perspective, let's say. Um, but I think that fundamentally, your your first few jobs as a graduate and your it makes the career path and the people around you uh, even more important um, in your career progression. And also, yeah, so finding those mentors and being part of firms that are like minded that share your same passions and Um, and can actually facilitate your growth, uh, which I think is also quite, it can be quite rare as well. Mm.
0: Thank you for joining us for our Parlour Seasonal Salons. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation. For more information about our salons and our conversationalists for this session, you can head to our website, parlour.org.au.